This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Brad Spielberger joins in just one second to run through our free agency preview, the rosters that are most and least equipped for free agency. A couple of buzzy names in the free agent market. Uh, this year's guy who'll get way too much money that NFL Twitter will explode over. This year's Christian Kirk, basically, is what I asked him. Literally is what I asked him. Um, I really enjoyed this. I learned a lot. Um, I just got off of vacation. A lot, a lot of people, everybody's in different stages of NFL fandom because some NFL fans, if you're fans of like the bears, obviously like the Jaguars, you're just sitting around, you're doing tape study for draft prospects on like December 30th. And if you're a Niners fan or you're a chiefs fan, you're kind of like, wait, what? Uh, and then if you're like a Ravens fan, you just don't want to see football for a month. Um, I know those kind of losses just don't, you don't listen to any podcasts for a month. You might be, if you're a Ravens fan, you might be just checking back in on podcasts now. Um, unfortunately, a little bit later, there's some, some Raven slander, unfortunately, not slander, but just some, uh, doomerism as far as what, what they can retain on the roster and all that stuff. Um, with Brad, I really enjoyed it by the way. Um, but that's one of the things we touch on. So sorry to Ravens fans in advance. Um, I will say the one thing team building wise, it has completely changed since I started covering the league, which was about a decade ago is the way the smartest teams approach free agency. When I started, it was at the beginning of when the cap was going up $10 million a year, which happened, I believe from 2012 until the pandemic, which in the pandemic is when it started to, to go down. And then it spiked again, obviously now we're just off to the races where it's, it's huge every single year. Um, the the increase because the TV money and the revenue and and just the way it's it's the game has grown for everybody. But I remember the Packers, Ted Thompson, famously like obsessed with building through the draft and using free agency very 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 sparingly for Charles Woodson Woodson for Julius Peppers, guys like that. And I think Les Snead and the Rams were the one of the first teams to really aug to draft well, because the Rams don't do any of this stuff without drafting Aaron Donald and a couple of other studs like that. Um, you don't get Aaron Donald in for agency. You don't get him for trading two first round picks. You get Jalen Ramsey for that. You don't get Aaron Donald, the best player in football. Um, you get Matthew Stafford, but I think that the way they started to use free agency and understanding how much money you had to spend to augment I think that started a trend around the league. It's a copycat league, so everybody just tries to, you know, sometimes there's trends that don't make any sense, like the Seahawks cover three tall corners thing, where we go, oh, we need our corners to be six foot three. Sometimes that's a little bit misleading. Um, but I think there are some trends that everybody looks at from the, the good teams and they say, okay, let's let's do this. I think that that era of football, where the cap started to explode, there were good players reaching free agency, I think we started to see a real shift in how in how teams are built. And I think now you just look at the Chiefs, for instance. Um, 18th in percentage of, of money going towards rookie contracts. 20th in cash spending as far as rookie contracts go. They are 7th in the league in what I would call elite, or not, not what I would call, what over the cap calls elite contracts. So Mahomes is number one, obviously. Then Joe Tooney, free agent. Juwan Taylor, free agent. Travis Kelsey, next, draft pick. Justin Reed, free agent. And then, unfortunately, MVS after that, free agent. 
Bad signing, but still a free agent. And I think what teams are understanding now is to draft the pillars and the role players. And by the way, you can also sign role players, especially on special teams. Like There's a real inefficiency for minimum contract guys who can fill holes. But what teams understand is, and this is something, I, I, no point on this will be better than what Marcus Spears said on this show last week, which is that the Cowboys stand pat and they get Brandon Cooks and they say, Aren't, did we, we're all in, we're taking a big swing. That's not all in. Every single team is all in every year and the Cowboys are not it. Um, every single team that can win the Super Bowl is all in every year. And the Cowboys are not among that group. That's a better way to phrase it. Um, and if the Cowboys and, and it's I'm I'm nobody drafts more all pros than them. But we'll just look at their their cap figures. Okay. Dak Prescott number one, Zach Martin number two. They are, by the way, third in percentage of elite contracts in the NFL. Uh 32% of their money is tied up in two players. Um, excuse me, 30, yeah, yeah, 30, 30, 32% of their, of their players, uh, of their money, excuse me. So Dak Prescott, Zach Martin, one, two, then Demarcus Lawrence, CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Michael Gallup, Terrence Steele, and then Brandon Cooks at 10 million. And they've got to go out and change the way that they spent. They've got to go be aggressive in free agency. They've got to start making outgoing calls. That's what all in means. It means taking your roster and saying, this is what we do well, this is what we don't do well, and then spend your way out of your problems. Don't sign reckless contracts. Although, by the way, the Cowboys do that with like Zeke Elliott. Like the, the, the problem is the reckless spending has been on players that don't deserve it. And by the way, Zeke Elliott was a great Cowboy, but he just obviously that, that deal immediately started to bite them in the behind. So that's how the best teams spend. I mean, for God's sakes, the Bengals used to not want to spend money on anybody. And they're top three players right now. Obviously, Burrow, draft pick, but then Hendrickson and Orlando Brown. Um, every single team that competes for a Super Bowl spends like crazy to fill holes. That's modern football. That's modern roster building. And that's why we brought in Brad Spielberger to break it down. Here he is. Brad Spielberger is here. He toughed out watching me walk around my house with the phone, unsteady cam, trying to fix my internet. That internet has been fixed. He's with PFF. He does, I mean, you're right, basically the only writer on the site right now, buddy, because you do their free agency, you do their salary cap analysis. Uh, very few people talk about rosters better than you do. What's going on, brother? I appreciate you. You know, just recovering from Vegas still and uh, getting ready for Indy next week. Indy. I'll just say this. You've been before. I don't need to give you any advice. And and I, I sometimes younger writers say, hey, any advice on the combine? Because the way the combine works is everybody you need to, to know is there. That can be to your detriment sometimes. Um, they also want to be with each other themselves. Like GMs do not necessarily want to have a three hour long dinner with you unless you're uh, like one of five media members of which we are not. Um, but my number one piece of advice you will get time with these folks. Nurse light beers. That's always what I tell young yeah. beat writers. Nurse young light beers because you do not want to be the guy on IPA 6 saying like, man, you guys really should have upgraded a wide receiver this year. Because that's not what they want to hear. That's not what they want to hear. Um, all right. And also, by the way, every time I give young writers that advice, uh, I see them like three hours later just 
with a with a Tito's you know, and soda, just I- yeah. IV. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And IV hooked into their 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 veins of uh, of just straight whiskey. Um, so anyway, that's all I can do is give the advice. Um, all right, so we're gonna go through free agency and and kind of what this is gonna look like. I can't believe Tuesday today, the twentieth, the day we record this, it's already the day of franchise tag opening. Like, there's an old story, Brad, about um how how Nick Saban got angry one year because winning the national championship cut into his recruiting time. But like, if you're, if you're like Brett Veach right now, or, or you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, you're kind of like, wait, what? Why have to start now? It's pretty insane. Yeah. Especially for the chiefs who have some guys, you know, Legereus Steed and Chris Jones that might fall into that category. And the crazy thing too, is now because the schedule is so condensed, we don't know the salary cap yet. So there are teams that have to make a franchise tag decision <laughs> that don't actually know the value of the franchise tag. And yes, they can work around a discrepancy of a couple hundred thousand dollars, but it's, it's funny. Nonetheless, it's Why don't we know the, fr- well, I, I know why big picture. We don't know the salary cap, but like what, what are they waiting for? They're still kind of counting up how much of a boost Taylor Swift gave to you know, all, the, <laughs> all the ratings and TV money. So they gotta they gotta factor that in. Yeah, of course we got just just late breaking. It's like the Nielsen's; they can get the the, the overnights, but then you need the real number uh, a couple of days later. All right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through the the team's best and and least equipped to go through this free agency period. Where they where they stand, where their rosters are. Um, I want to start here before I get to that feels like and maybe uh, this is just recency bias it feels like this is a really good free agent class and there's some real franchise changing guys which is not necessarily the truth this time of year i agree with you i i grade it every year it's always depressing of course when you know we just talked about franchise tags and some of those come through and make it a little bit less exciting but i still think we are going to see and to get into a particular a little bit defensive line interior offensive line um like some some starting caliber you know franchise changing guys which you don't always see so i agree i, I think it's a good class is it does that just happen chance are players trying to find their way to free agency a little bit more is that teams drawing lines in the sand like or is this just sort of coincidence i mean so some of them are like you know obviously the chiefs have a ton of talent it's hard to lock up cheap chris jones that long term a couple of years ago t higgins you know number two receiver so it's hard to kind of and when you're planning for jamar chase plus a bunch of free, you know some of it's going to be happenstance but some of it's also just going to be the, the way we change spending money yeah i think we saw some con- uh, some contract year like not breakouts but some players that had really good contract years and i think a funny thing that i do now when i talk to some of our team clients is trying to decipher is it a guy having a phenomenal season because he's chasing a bag or is right. it a guy who just took steps and, <laughs> and got better and, and and like we saw his game develop and i won't give an example in the first category but like for me you know and underlying pff data Josh Allen in Jacksonville was already this this yeah. caliber of player. The sack numbers just followed. Uh, Justin Matty BK took a legitimate step, but he always was a high effort, high pursuit guy. You saw him make you know backside run run tackles and stuff like that. Christian Wilkins, kind of same thing. So I think it's a little bit of that too. Just a lot of guys in the traditional flashy stats. It finally aligned with their kind of underlying you know production metrics. Yeah, and also I also feel. <laughs> This always happens every single year, but it, you always have to see where the market is set for different positions because sometimes things don't increase uh, the way. I mean, quarterbacks are always going up, right? But sometimes a tight end, Gronk, will sign a deal, and then for four years, nobody can catch up to that that mark. Wide receiver, we saw that a little bit. I think it was the Antonio Brown era where a little bit where receivers – 
maybe were underpaid because nobody had exceeded some of some of those deals. So you always have to see, and maybe this is with defensive linemen, like you know, someone like Chris Jones being available, someone like Josh Allen being available. Maybe we push even further ahead because that that market has been um, exploding the last few years. So it'll be it'll be interesting. And Legarius Steen, like if Legarius Steen legitimately hits the open market, we might see a cornerback market, and you can maybe speak to this: a cornerback market we've never seen before. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like the last time a free agent reset a market, it was uh, C.J. Mosley in you know the Jets, and I think Bobby Wagner you know topped like a month later. But um, but yeah, like it doesn't almost ever happen. I don't know if I predict Legarius Sneed to to you know top the Jair Alexander deal of okay. twenty one million dollars a year, but I think he'll get in that range or you know eighteen yeah. nineteen potentially as an upside. Yeah, we don't see that very often, but that market has been super stagnant, like you're talking about. Not a lot of growth there. The Jalen Ramsey deal has kind of suppressed the rest of the deals, and it's been that way for you know four or five years now. Interesting. All right, so let's get to the topic at hand. Um, best and worst rosters to equip. Number one roster in good shape going into free agency. What do you got, Brad Spielberg? All right, I should block the Chicago you know posters behind me. This, <laughs> this is an unbiased opinion. It's an unbiased Ooh. take. I, I really do think you know Chicago just positioned themselves to be in a phenomenal spot where they're oh. not losing a ton of uh, guys that I think they view as cornerstone pieces. I do think Darnell Mooney is a capable quality receiver in this league but you know you already make the splash trade for Montez Sweat you go out and do that you extend him you get your DJ Moore you draft a tackle top 10 like you kind of already hit on a lot of the premium position stuff and now you know two top 10 draft picks some more draft capital but top five in cap space going into this offseason they need interior offensive line they need defensive line it kind of all aligns pretty nicely with what they need as well maybe throw in a safety some other spots so I just think that you know resources available but also the, the supply and their demand line up very well this offseason all right so let's get into the the Bears as currently constructed the market for Justin Fields is going to be what I think a second round pick and some change you know, like a Josh Rosen Sam Darnold that market two and a four two and a five something like that Okay, um, and so then they obviously they draft Caleb Williams. So then, what what do they need? Like, what's the next step for them? And again, we're we're gonna we're gonna use CGI to to blot out the Bears posters behind you. Like the holes they need to address over the next couple of months, or what for them to actually compete? And by the way, a division that is over the past two months of the season completely changed course. When you think about what the Packers are gonna be able to do, what the Vikings are gonna be able to do with the Lions. I mean, this, this is a really hard division. Maybe two years ago, it was gettable. For sure. Yeah, it became a bit of an arms race. So I think for them, a, a number two edge or just a, a pass rushing three tech, someone to play alongside Montez Sweat. They have good, like, complementary pieces like an Andrew Billings, like a Demarcus Walker, but I think you need another dude. Um, and then center. Center is a glaring, glaring need. It just was not good enough this past year. And then I mentioned, you know, safety. Now they've cut Eddie Jackson, cleared a bunch sure. of money there. But I think the trenches, which obviously is Ryan Poles, you know, it's he played offensive line for the Bears many, many years ago. Uh, and uh, he talks about it all the time. I think you're going to see trenches uh, for Chicago. Has Ryan Poles done a good job or an average job? I don't think I, I don't think he's done a bad job. I don't think he's done a bad job. But I've heard people. Some people say, okay, so he fleeces fleeces the Panthers last year. I I don't know how much talent it took to fleece the Panthers last year. Like the Panthers were were willing to get fleeced. And by the way, part of the reason I think you're, you wouldn't see a historical haul for Caleb Williams this year is you already fleeced the team that is the most desperate in football. And by the way, if there was a second one, it'd be the commanders and they don't need to trade up for one because they already have a quarterback position. So there's really no, 
team that's going to say we're going to mortgage our future. But anyway, I, all this to ask, like, has Ryan Poles done a, a, a good job in the steps building this or has this developed a little slower than maybe you, you thought? I believe so. I think he inherited a really, really tough situation. One of the most bloated rosters in the NFL, a ton of dead cap or just older players. Um, look, like, was the Chase Claypool trade a failure? Yes, he'd probably tell you that himself. But I think if you look at the sum of all the moves they've made, um, I think he has done a good job. And I think they are pretty, pretty close now to taking that step. You figure out quarterback. I just don't think you're all that far away. We mentioned some needs, but it's not like I'm sitting here saying like they need a number one edge or a number one receiver or a number one tackle. Like they have a lot of pieces in place. So yeah, overall, I think he has. You know, I think the Claypool trade was a loss. Jalen Johnson's probably going to get a whole lot more money than he probably uh, you know could have taken uh, six months ago. But I, I think overall, the process has been sound. Yeah, and also the Chase Claypool trade. I've, I've criticized him over and over and over again about that. But like a lot of good GMs have a total brick on their resume. Like, I mean, the damn Seahawks won, did that Percy Harvin trade and won the Super Bowl. Um, and then, the, by the way, they had the Jamal Adams trade, yeah. and they're still pretty good. And John Schneider, I think, is still a pretty good GM. Um, Brett Veach has had significant misses, um, and I think he's one of the best GMs in football. And so sometimes, and I know, I remember the justification for that trade at the time being like, well, you have to uh, see what you have in Justin Fields. You have to see if he's the guy. If it's surrounded by talent, and Chase Claypool was the best overall. I mean, actually, I think I ended up making that case at one point. It ended up being bad, but like I, the problem is, Chase Claypool just doesn't was the worst fit of all time, both from a football perspective, and he just didn't seem to enjoy anything that was going on um, in the National Football League. I'm not even sure how you would. It just did not seem like you wanted to be there. Um, and so I just don't. Uh, I, it was just it was a brick, but I don't think you can. When someone has such a small sample size, people say, oh, you, you got fleece. You got, you, and it's like, well, you know what? A lot of good good GMs. So I've come around on that not being like a historically bad trade. And I think the thing, too, is he kept shooting. Like the Montez Sweat yeah. trade was, was basically the same thing. A so, solo second-round pick. That one looks like a slam dunk so far. You mentioned DJ Moore. Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick to get your sure. wide receiver three and he doesn't play. Also, fun fact for you, shout-out uh, CHGO. But Chase Claypool is the last Bears wide receiver not named DJ Moore to catch a touchdown pass uh, for the Chicago Oh, Bears. no. <laughs> so it was a good sad. trade. It was a good trade. It was a win. It was a good trade. It was a good trade. <laughs> yeah. Lord, who, who, who was it before that? Mushin Muhammad? Yeah, probably probably oh, Moosin. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bernard Berrien. Bernard Berrien. We, we can just do Marty Booker. We yeah, can we just, just, oh, we can just name guys. <laughs> What's really? funny is that there's just not that. I mean, like, it's it's the, the Bears skill guys. There's a reason Devin Hester is beloved yeah. for scoring touchdowns. It's because if it wasn't for him, There'd be some some real uh, I I don't even know I don't even know how to, you you would categorize it. That there have not been very many enjoy exciting players to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Um, on the outside there, we've had sweetness and and some running backs and and all that stuff. But uh, Devin Hester filled role. Um, all right, let's flip it. Let's go be negative. Um, give me a, a team that is not well positioned going into free agency. Look, they'll still be a good team. They're a good organization, but I think we're not talking enough about how difficult it's going to be for Baltimore to be even close Ooh, to what they were this past year. That's um, how I thought you were going to say. Let's dig in. Yeah, so I have them with the second most snaps played by pending free agents this past season. Um, and when I take quarterbacks out of the equation uh, using PFF wins above replacement, they had the most war generated by pending free agents. So I have 13 guys in my top 200 that were Baltimore Ravens this past year. Um, you know, Justin Matabike, Geno Stone, mm -hmm. Javion Clowney, Kevin Zeitler, 
uh, Kyle Van Noy. Like I could sit here and just spout off pending free agents from Baltimore. Now, you know, they got ahead and sign Nelson Aguilar, uh, bring back Michael Pierce, like some good, you know, important role players. But yeah, they're, they're losing a ton of snaps and a ton of good football players. Maybe they keep some of them, you know, keep mm-hmm. Matabika on a franchise tag or an extension. But they lose also Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver is now the D.C. in Miami from that coaching staff. So I think that defense could fall off next year. That's fascinating. Um, do, do you have a read on whether or not Eric DaCosta? Like, I, I remember uh, Daryl Morey saying something on Bill Simmons' podcast. I think I was on it in college. But I think about it all the time where they were talking about Chase Buttinger and he had left. And Daryl Morey said, you know, the point of, of all of this is it's not to re-sign Chase Buttinger to some huge contract. It's to find the next Chase Buttinger, right? And like, I know this is a weird analogy and I you probably didn't expect Chase Buttinger to come up on this podcast, but it's more like Clowney was a, was a value signing last year. And I think the point of the Ravens operation a lot of times is just like, let's find the next Clowney signing instead of just giving Clowney a bunch of money. Matabuke is the kind of guy who's going to command a ton of money because like Marcus Spears on the show a couple weeks ago, and he was just saying like, that's the kind of guy the Cowboys need who could who could make some real uh, headway and interior pressure, stuff like that. Like these guys are probably going to get overpaid. The Ravens have other questions. Do we know if Eric DaCosta is going to be aggressive in trying to retain them? Or is he going to say, you know what? We found these guys. Let's just find the next version. Since the advent of the compensatory pick in uh, 1994, there is no franchise in the NFL that has earned more of them than the Baltimore Ravens. So, that's <laughs> yeah, that's their MO. Like you're saying, you know, you can go down Zedarius Smith and like all these you know, edge rushers they've had. Uh, Matthew Judon. We can sit here again and just rattle off names. So, yeah, I think Clowney's a perfect shout. You sign a guy in August for like one year three. Someone else is going to give him one year nine, one year ten like he used to sign back in the day. And Baltimore saying, we already got the best we can get out of it. We're not going to chase, you know, what we got because the odds are there's some variance. They are very, very good in that category. No question about it. I just think you saw career years from like half the defense. Um, and I, I don't know if that's sustainable or repeatable. Uh, but yeah, their, their strategy is great. The biggest loss on the list is Mike McDonald. For sure. He's the one that gave them that career year. And so yeah, that's also one of the, in the calculus, it's like, let's not overpay these guys because they might've just been, they might've just been Mike McDonald unlocked by Mike McDonald. And Cl- I mean, Clowney had one of his best years ever. And and I always thought he was a little bit overrated throughout his career. And then you see his pressure numbers and you're like, okay, that was a good signing. I'm an idiot. But like, it's still, again, the point is to get those value signings and then find the next wave. But DaCosta has shown himself to be really, really good. They took a huge step forward. And if Munkin had any game plan to speak of, they probably could have won that game um, against Kansas City. So, uh, what, whatever. Um, do you? So, do you expect them with these losses to to fall a little bit in the AFC pecking order when you consider just how stacked that conference is with the rosters? Right, and other teams are going to be healthy. I didn't even mention Patrick Queen probably going to get a huge deal. Yeah. So yeah, like look, Cincinnati's probably going to be healthier. Cleveland's probably going to be healthier. Pittsburgh could not have a worse offense than they had this past year. So that's just looking <laughs> at their division hey, hey, alone. Hey, don't 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 you dare them. They will try. They don't, can. Don't, you're right. You're yeah. right. Don't, don't, don't threaten them with a, a good challenge. Time. Don't threaten them with a good time. Yeah, exactly. If they're they're going to run it back with with Mason and and see what they got. <laughs> yeah. No. So yeah, like I think you will see a lot of positive variants for other teams in the conference. Yeah, like I said, again, they're going to be good uh, playoff team, but I don't know if they're going to be one seed by you know caliber team at all. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's going to be fascinating. And I think, by the way, we've all you mentioned the Bengals, but like I feel like we've all collectively decided to forget about Joe Burrow. 
just literally yes, as forgotten. a society we kind of have as yeah. a, like i saw some top 10 quarterback rankings are just not on there and it's like you know they would have been like the second or third best team in the afc this year if joe burrow hadn't been hurt in training camp and everybody was like well when he came back he was healthy he was bad he was hurt in training camp that's how training camp works it comes before the season so if you'd seen him with t higgins and that defense and i mean jake browning won a bunch of games like yeah i'm, I'm sure that they would have they would have been good um and by the way like it was brian callahan but he wasn't the play caller lou anaruma coming back one of the biggest like no he didn't get he, somehow he, he just warped towards steve spagnolo yeah. where he's just not even a head coaching candidate anymore and but he didn't fail like we just decided we just all collectively moved on even though we should have gotten arizona last year anyway let that that that's uh that's neither here nor there um your next team set up well for free agency brad yeah the other side of the coin of the montez sweat trade is i, I think we're gonna see probably the biggest spender in free agency will be washington which isn't Ooh. always a good thing necessarily to be the biggest no. spender but Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders incoming? Yeah, yeah. You got some like Andre Johnson, like 33-year-old Andre Johnson vibes coming in uh, to Washington. No, I think you're going to see like they're going to go after different edge rushers. Obviously, they don't want to keep the guys they had, but they have a decent nucleus there. They have the most cap space in the NFL. They are losing potentially Kendall Fuller and Cam Curl from that secondary, but again, could bring those guys back. They just drafted two young players, Emmanuel Forbes and Jartavius Martin. So I think they are going to spend a bunch. They have five top 100 draft picks, and I think they could very quickly become a lot more interesting than they've been the last you know 20 years. Would you right now rather be the Bears or the Commanders? I'll say Bears just because they're like – I think they still have more like cornerstones. But I don't know, like Terry McLaurin – Deron Payne and, and Jonathan Allen, like they're, they're kind of similarly constructed. It's a, fa- it's a good question, honestly. Uh, that's why I asked it. Thanks, Brad. Now, yeah. um, hey, uh, can you throw out some, just recklessly throw out some names for the commanders that they might want to target? I think edge rush would be interesting. Like a guy like Bryce Huff bring in just a true like pass rush, you know, specimen we've had the last couple of years. Um, I think they'll go young. I think it'll be guys like that. So um, you look that direction. They're losing Curtis Samuel. So maybe they try to bring in like a Darnell Mooney or, or another receiving option potentially. Um, and then I think you maybe do see secondary too. So do they make a splash, you know, with one of the bigger name safeties? potentially coming on the market do they go after like a i think edge would be the big one though like bryce huff and, and that and that tier of player i think is very interesting to me that's fascinating um yeah i don't know my only thing about the commanders going into this year i hated the dan quinn hire um i hated the cliff kingsbury hire just relatively speaking i don't think they're awful i don't think they should be not in the nfl but i just think that you had this opportunity twofold number one is everybody should want to coach number two pick in the draft with an ownership group that seems exciting. I know they want to make it the quote-unquote Adam Peters show. That that was what Washington Radio said to me a couple weeks ago. But I just don't – I think there was a bigger opportunity here for that roster. And then the other side of the ball, let's say you hire Dan Quinn – Dan Quinn should be able to sell, hey, be this year's version of Bobby Slowick on the offensive side of the ball, do well with the number two pick in the draft, and then all of a sudden you're head coaching candidate. That's it. And you should be able to get somebody better than Cliff Kingsbury, who I think was an uninspiring choice. So um, I I don't know. I, I just don't know. We'll have the, the conspiracy of the Caleb Williams connection to Cliff Kingsbury. That'll kind of carry us. As content producers, you got to appreciate that at least. I get that, but is that supposed to help? Like he didn't win and I like – I. He did very well at USC. I just don't feel like um, that if you're trying to do that, if you're if that's your master plan to jump to get to one to take him. Like, was he so successful at USC that you just have to have to surround him with everybody? I just feel at that point, just hire Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I uh, seriously, I'd rather have Lincoln Riley. 
You know the guys want to leave the uh, college. Yeah, no, I hear you. I Dude, hear you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Chip Kelly across town's trying to get was trying to get every job imaginable except the job he had. There's a lot of college coaches just over this whole thing, man. The Chip Kelly I one was called, interesting. Like, yeah, just RPO, just yeah. scam RPO with Drake May. I'm into it. Chip, I'd rather have Chip Kelly than Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's fair. Also, Chip Kelly's in the Spagnuolo zone where he doesn't even want to be head coach anymore, even yeah. though Spags wants to. But like, he's not going to get any actual interest. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, Whatever. the, 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 the fitness specimen or, or the not specimen, the fitness regimen and the, uh, the diet and all that stuff, I think uh, was too fugazi for the NFL to, to handle. Uh, also, he Chip ran out of ideas and that, that's why Chip really. And then there was one there was one press conference at UCLA where he, they lost and he started freelancing and he was like, I wish I could run the wing tee. And everybody was like, what? are you talking about? Like, it just felt like you was talking about a guy who didn't want to be there. Like that was Chip Kelly at, at UCLA. All right. More with Brad after this. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesar's can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app. It's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, anyway, let's let's go be negative again. Uh, another team that is not well-positioned. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins, I, I think, are in some trouble here. Um, another team that's already spent a ton on you know big-name players. You trade for Jalen Ramsey. They had four draft picks last year starting in the third round, um, none of which – I don't want to be wrong, but I don't think any really contributed at all. So, um, and, and you already are paying – you know, you got Bradley Chubb, trade for him, get a huge, give, a, give him yeah. a huge deal. I mentioned Jalen Ramsey. You're paying Tyree Kill top dollar. Are you going to pay Tua $50 plus million a year? Then you have Christian Wilkins, who I mentioned, who is, you know, I think going to get a monster, monster contract. Um, what, Robert Hunt is, I think, going to get a really nice deal as a guard. Connor Williams, their center. Yes, he tore his ACL, but a really good player. Like, there's just, again, I could sit here and rattle off names. And, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle was a huge element for them once guys got hurt. They're just, there's so much talent. Again, I'll reference the same metrics. Third in total snaps um, and third in, in total wins above replacement by pending free agents. And they're just, they already are in a bit of a tough cap situation. They are um, negative 60 million as of right now. And again, you can always rework things and all that, but they're in a tough spot. They have a good football admin group. They are smart people, but they have their work cut out for them, no question. 
Christian Wilkins getting a huge deal somewhere else. Is that the implication there? I could see a franchise tag, but um, but maybe. I mean, last offseason, we had all those guys signed. Jeffrey Simmons, Quinton Williams, everyone in yeah. his draft class get their deals done. And it never seemed like it got all that close with Miami. I know his pass rush productivity wasn't there, but of course, he has, what, nine and a half sacks this past year, something like that, which is you know phenomenal for an interior defensive lineman. So I think tag maybe, and they try to work it out, but there already seemed to be some resistance. And, and I felt like that market was one to capitalize on. Um, you know, 22, 23 millions a ton, but Aaron Donald's still sitting there at 32 mil per year, basically. And no one's close. Um, so yeah. we'll see. I, he's interesting to me. I could be wrong. I think he might become available. We'll see. What is, I, I honestly don't every, the only analysis I hear of the Tua deal is, I don't know what they're going to do. And I, I, you know, far more than me do about this more, more than I do about this stuff. Like, what happens here? And like my, my line on this, and I talked to Dimitrov about this last week on this show. The only thing I would do, and it's the same thing with the golf thing, is I would get Mike McDaniel in a room and I would make him close the door and I'd say, how many guys can you do this with? And if the answer is I could do it with with um, with Drew Locke, then sure, make your decision that way. I don't think that's the case, but I think that's the way that you you sort of gauge this. Yeah, I think it's the way to do it. And, you know, either whether it's specific examples or just like give us a give us a baseline, like a caliber of quarterback that you think if I had this guy from right. what I've seen, I could replicate what we're doing. I think what you do there is it's just you try to make it year to year as much as possible. So right. you're seeing now these like rolling guarantee structures and, you know, but still quarterbacks this past offseason, the big push. You know, once it became clear the fully guaranteed thing was not happening, you saw these massive early year cash flows and guys getting basically like the first three new years effectively fully guaranteed. But like a Jalen Hurts structure where it's like option bonuses every year and you kind of they're not out yet to find a trade partner, which good luck with that. But more <laughs> just there, there's a decision that you have to make each offseason to kind of protect yourself. That's how I would do it if I'm Miami. Again, easier said than done. His agent doesn't like has no incentive to do that. But I would not be sitting there being like, yeah, 2024, four, five, six, seven. We'll just have guaranteed without really much um, kind of wiggle room. I, I just it's a massive risk. Uh, are the Niners in okay shape? I think there's a reason you're seeing the Brandon Ayuk conversation. They're not in bad shape per se. You talk about guys that got over bad moves. I mean, trading three first round picks for Trey Lance <laughs> and, and kind of just just figuring it out. Um, they are not in a bad situation. But when you have the highest paid defensive player in NFL history, one of the highest paid tackles, receivers, tight ends, uh, you know, we can go down the list. It just makes things very, very tough. I wouldn't be surprised if like a, a Brandon Ayuk or a Talano Hufanga, like if a good player doesn't get a deal um, or if like you do see like a surprise, like Eric Armstead is one year left. Do they trade him yeah. or move on or Dre Greenlaw? Like I know we just tore his Achilles, so it's probably a bad example. Yeah. But um, yeah, they, they're not in a bad spot, but they, they can't pay everybody. Um, all right. Rapid fire. Give me a player that's going to get more money than we think in, in free agency. A guy that we're just going to go, wait, they, g- give me this year's like uh, uh, Christian Kirk, where we're going to be like, whoa, they gave him what? Like, d- help me. I think I could see Jonah Jackson uh, in Detroit get more money than people think. It, even I personally am and lower on him than I know everybody else is, which means I'm wrong and they're not. But um, I think he <laughs> could get – yeah, like I'm not saying sitting here saying I'm the, the correct one. But um, I just hear so many good things. He is a mauler in space. He's big, physical. Maybe teams are buying – kind of like a Juwan Taylor. They're buying more into yeah. the upside. He's young. He's athletic. He, yeah. he is – you know, there's some nastiness to his game. So I think he could get more than people expect for sure. Interesting. Um the Dak Prescott contract's going to come down where? And when will it happen? 
I think it'll happen like fairly quickly, um, you know, because they got to get to CD as well. Uh, and you want to kind of space out your gigantic nine figure deals. I think it's going to be in the range of like fifty five million dollars a year. I mean, he came in second in MVP voting. Like, I know he had a bad playoff sh- uh, showing, but the leverage is all in their favor. You can't tag him because you, you did tag him twice and the agents were smart. That was intentional. They made them for the for the for the deal first place the tag and then sign him to the, the the original extension so yeah like four years 220 i guess that would be um and yeah i don't think it's going to take that long last thing for you um i asked you this at super bowl media night i'll ask you now publicly um i think the chargers are going to win big but i think they're gonna have to take their medicine cap wise you came on the show a couple months ago we made a big social clip of it chargers fans said yeah you're right when you said it's going to be a tough couple of years for the Chargers. So I think I think they're going to get through it, um, and they'll win big three, four years down the line. Now, having said that, nobody thought that Niners team in 2011 was ready to win. It wasn't a sleeping giant type of team. He took what was a mediocre roster and made it a good roster. I'm talking about Jim Harbaugh, obviously. And we look back now and say, oh, that roster was stacked. I don't know, man. With people talking about Justin Smith being a franchise player when Jim Harbaugh took the job, he's a great player, high draft pick, but like Jim Harbaugh made that team tougher and they made that team uh, maximize that roster. And and Patrick Willis was a great, great, great young player, a tackle machine. Jim Harbaugh, that era made him a Hall of Famer. Um, And obviously he's an offensive side of the coach, but the uh, offensive side of the ball, but the way he hired the coaches, the way he instilled uh, everything, the way he maximized Alex Smith, brought in Colin Kaepernick, that was special. Um, so I guess from a roster standpoint, the question is how long until the Chargers can give Jim Harbaugh a roster that he can win big with? Is it two years or three years? Yeah, I hope he proves me wrong. The 13-3 and three would be insane if they, if they did yeah. that. Well, that was the first I don't year. Think that's but happen. I think it could be one year. I think if you if you, t- mm. you take your medicine, I think you just have a very down 2024. But let's, all it takes is you hit on that, what, fifth or sixth overall pick this year. Um, and, and then you said it too. Look, is the NFL more nuanced than advanced and technical and, and you have to be smarter? Sure. At the end of the day, it's 11 dudes lining up against 11 of their dudes. And if they kick their ass, then you can win a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's not complicated. So, you know, you have to add, obviously, some, I think the defense needs more toughness and more physicality. But, yeah, I would say one down year. By 2025, I have ex- not like Super Bowl expectations, but yeah. I'm not counting them out of anything. Uh, we have a history. The Bills famously did it with the Doug Whaley signings. Um, Chris Greer did it with the previous regime of, of Dolphin signings of teams just saying, we're going to take all our, our cap medicine right now and we're going to accelerate it. I don't know. Has anyone t- I think the, has anyone gotten more than $70 million in dead cap in a year in the last three years? Yeah. The Bucks and Atlanta this year were both around eight yeah. this past year. Yeah. Wow. And then I know Atlanta was, was near there as well. Yep. And so teams are just like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to do this. And the Rams are going to be fine now. Because they they had to do it, and so it's 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 the way to do it. I think the Chargers need to do it. Make some tough decisions and go from there. Is there anybody real quick that uh, you think is a, is a clear cut on the Chargers? It's a huge name. I think Mike Williams is going to be fascinating. I think he is the clear cut. And then if I'm them, I'm having calls about Khalil Mack, maybe even Joey Bosa uh, as potential trade targets. I, I just definitely, you know, I think you have to answer. And, and I, Keenan's tougher because Keenan is like. This franchise legend, but I'm not. I'm not, I'm not hanging up the call if if, if they get uh, they get a phone call. Everybody but Herbert is a, yes, correct. Who, who's, on, who's on a second contract? Who's on a second contract? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. just see just see what people say. Okay, uh, Brad Spielberger, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, read your work at PFF. You go. You only have about a hundred articles out there. So I, I'll beef uh, it up. We, I'll beef it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, keep, keep it going. All right, man. Thanks for coming by. Thank you.